You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on iTunes and at Facebook.com slash DCAU Review. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to the DCAU Review. I'm your host, Cal. Along with me, as always, my co-host and brother, Liam. Liam, welcome to the DCAU Review. I'm really excited today. We've got our first non-Batman episode for you guys. Spoiler alert! <laughs> uh, I, I tweeted it out, so that the news has been out for a while. That's right. But, uh, but yeah, this is, uh, this is our first episode talking Superman the Animated Series. Big year for Superman. Uh, we talked about how it's the 25th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series this year. It's the 80th anniversary of Superman as a character. Yeah. Um, Action Comics number 1000 just recently came out. Yeah. Uh, it's it's giant year. He's the one of the most reckoned... I think that's been done in surveys around the world. It's like Mickey Mouse, Superman, and one or two others. As like Ronald McDonald, I think, is one. It's like the most recognizable pop culture figures there are. Yeah. And we got to talk about Superman... Uh, he's he's the original superhero, Liam. Yeah. He's he is the reason why comic books today. I mean, we both we both hold Batman near and dear uh, to our in our hearts, and certainly a survey of, of most Americans. I'm sure you know you'll get some certain other answers as to who their favorite superheroes are. But you know, they none of the the other superheroes would have found the popularity that they did if it wasn't for two guys, Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster. Who uh, who wrote this and designed this comic as as a way to uh, to really to express some of their feelings as a as an immigrant and a and a minority and yeah. in a in in the United States of America in a time where you know they were kind of looked down upon and, and uh, I mean that that in and of itself there's been documentaries and movies mm-hmm. and stuff done done about those guys but uh, they created the original superhero here in Superman. Uh, so without this guy, without the impact that this guy, who knows what, uh, where we would be today. I, I, I doubt we'd be doing a podcast about <laughs> superheroes today if it wasn't for uh, Superman. So you're, you're absolutely right. He has uh, not only uh, impacted us uh, personally, but pop culture and uh, society as a whole. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's Americana. It's it's baseball, apple pie, Superman. It's, right. He's deeply ingrained, specifically in. Uh, United States pop culture, but as we said, kind of worldwide, you mentioned sort of as in his early days, he was, you know, one of the phrases used was champion of the oppressed. Like he was, he was there to be, uh, you know, a guy who could fight for people that couldn't fight for themselves. Absolutely. And I think that still shines through in the way the character is done. Now there's obviously changes. If you read the current comics, he's, he's got a wife and a kid now. He's got a, you know, he's got a dog that flies. He's got, right. You know, they've, they've certainly built out that his world and, but uh, you know, as as we mentioned, the the most powerful, the original superhero, and still one of the, one of the more relatable heroes, Absolutely. I think, in all of comics. Absolutely, and, and people, I think, 
Uh, people that say that he's unrelatable, I think maybe haven't <laughs> haven't read a Superman comic or done much uh, research into the character itself. Because uh, despite him being the most powerful uh, beings in all of all of the DC universe, uh, certainly the most powerful that lives on the Earth, uh, it's it's. Uh, it's amazing the struggles and the, the human characteristics that he portrays uh, on an issue to issue, or even through obviously through this cartoon on an episode to episode basis. Which we'll we'll have some fun talking about a little bit today, touching on, and certainly on in future episodes. So why don't you go ahead, Liam? Before we get started here, remind our lovely listeners: uh, if, if this is your first episode, we're so glad that you tuned in for this episode. We'd love for you to go back and check out other episodes later. Uh, but maybe you're tuning into this because you're a big Superman fan. So we certainly appreciate you for that. Uh, but Liam, go ahead and give them the criteria that we judge uh, our episodes and rank our episodes by. So the way we do it is we break it down into four main categories, which are plot, animation, voice acting, and music. Uh, each category is from 0 to 10, meaning that your final score will be blank out of 40. We do have a bonus category if, uh, if you want to throw an extra point or two towards something that isn't necessarily covered in those main four topics. We can always, we'll break out the bonus points from time to time, but, uh, yeah, four, four main categories there, and, uh, I guess we can get right into plot here. Yeah. Uh, so it's, the way this is, it's, it was originally presented, The Last Son of Krypton is presented as a TV movie. Right. Uh, aired on, on the WB, I think in primetime. It did, absolutely. I think it was a, I want to say it was a Friday night. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a primetime debut for it as well, just like Batman the Animated Series was. Right. And uh, so, watching this as a movie, so it's, but it's broken down here into three separate episodes, uh, each 22 minutes long, but it's basically a, a, you know, a little over an hour long movie. Uh, so the entire first episode, if you look at it as three separate episodes, however, is uh, Superman's not in it? <laughs> not well. Well, Kal El is, yes. but Super Baby Kal El is. Superman does not make an appearance. You right till episode two. Right. So we we focus very heavily on uh, on Jarrell on his discovery that Krypton is going to blow up. His butting heads with the Council, which if you've seen uh, Man of Steel more recently, or certainly the cla- the classic Christopher Reeve movies, that's kind of a common. Theme when you're right, doing he, the he figures story. out Krypton is is coming to an end, or will soon come to an end. Presents it to the, the the leaders of Krypton, and they don't believe him. Correct, and in this case, I thought what they rather than just making the leaders of the planet sort of nincompoops <laughs> or or idiots, or it's it's never usually quite explained why they don't believe why they don't believe Jarrell. It's Certainly. usually just sort of left at they don't believe him, and then the planet blows up. Right uh, here, it is explained because. Uh, and as far as I know, this is the first time it was ever done, is that Brainiac is a part of Krypton here, right. whereas before he had just been the collector of worlds and sort of a generic alien threat. So he had been created by somebody on Krypton's, the planet Krypton. It doesn't say Jarrell was the creator of him, but you can tell through their interactions that they have some sort of close bond. He's familiar with him, so maybe he was involved in creating yeah, Brainiac. Brainiac is Siri on right. this planet. Right. He's, he's uh, Alexa. Right. He's... He's the AI. They make a note that at the start, Jarrell is on a barge in the Arctic, and he's mining data, which he then uploads into Brainiac. Right. Uh, so it's so that's that's a big point of establishment. So anyway, we get back to the point: is the council doesn't believe Jarrell because Brainiac, this all-knowing, in, super intelligent computer, tells them 
that the planet is not going to blow up and that everything's fine and that these earthquakes are just a minor polar ice cap shift <laughs> right. and there will be you know no further issues and, and Jarrell as you is put just it, wrong. As you put it, it's fake news. Yes. <laughs> uh, current climate uh, adds a little bit of extra context to, uh, funny. to a story like this. But yes, uh, so so a lot of that first, um, the entire first episode is... The is destruction, sort of, of, destruction is, of Krypton. Destruction of Krypton and sort of building out Brainiac and the idea is he sort of explains his motivation is that if he if he admitted that Krypton was going to explode, he would need to work on saving people. Whereas he, as the only thing Brainiac as a computer program values is knowledge, and since he has all of the knowledge of Krypton, he's the only important person. He's right. the only thing that that's worth saving. Right. So all he does is build himself a satellite to escape the planet. So we talked about it while we were watching it, and you're, you brought up the point was, is this first episode, is it necessary to spend 22 minutes uh, to cover the, the history of or Superman's planet blowing up? Could they have just summed it up with, you know, started the episode with a rocket shooting off or, you know, the, the planet exploding? And to me, I think the only thing that the value that that episode, spending 22 minutes on that is it provides... Uh, a little bit of a of a of a backstory for Brainiac. It's really a Brainiac origin story because Brainiac ends up being a major player in the Superman animated series. He's brought back at least uh, I don't know four or five at least at five least, times, yeah. um, and then he goes on to be a, a major player in the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And absolutely, um, you know, so so they sp- them spending the twenty two minutes on that. I, you know. Maybe they didn't have the foresight that they were going to do it. Use him in Justice League and a Justice League cartoon, <laughs> but it certainly gave him the motivation and built a character to the point of saying, "Okay, so this character, he only he's he's a machine, and because he's a machine, he's completely heartless and cares only about data. So this is going to be something that we can use as a plot device in the future, uh, where you know he comes to Earth in, in later episodes, or you know he's he's." You know, used in an episode. Uh, is it the Justice League episode where he's, he teams with uh, Darkseid and yes. uh, turns on Darkseid, does like a heel turn on Darkseid and <laughs> betrays him? But you know, it's it's a plot device that they can use and set up this character that they know was a huge part of Superman's uh, history. Without you know, and they're able to kind of build that out now to kind of give you a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, and we talk a lot. We talked a lot about before we went on the air that this this episode is used. Uh, all three episodes are used for world building. Yeah. It's weird because it's it's a it's a pilot for an epi- for a, for a show. When you're comparing it to Batman the animated series, we didn't really have a pilot for that episode. We we start the episode and Batman is already Batman. There's not an origin story. Um, there's not an explanation of who this old British guy is that lives with him. <laughs> um, there's sort of a little bit of talk about in the dichotomy of his relationship with the police, but there's not really a lot of explanation of what's going on. You you're brought in assuming you know who Batman is. Is, where this gives you the opportunity to learn things about Superman. They're teaching their audience. They're doing their own world building and setting their own uh, world up, uh, I, I guess, in, in that. Yeah, and so that that is, uh, as we sort of get in the plot of the of parts two and three, it's uh, part two begins with the Kents finding him and Clark growing up, and sort of, it's sort of a crash course of Smallville, the, the television series. Right. Uh, where it's you know teenage Clark discovering his powers and sort of being horrified by them at first, and then sort of slowly coming to accept them, and and also discovering the the, the ship that brought him to Earth, and 
receiving, you know, the AI message from his parents telling him, you know, telling him what they want for him and telling him who he is and everything. So they sort of condense that into about 10 minutes and then sort of nondescript amount of time passes and, uh, and then he's Superman in Metropolis. And from there, it's sort of a, a little paint by numbers. It's, you know, a a robot suit gets stolen (laughs) and it turns out it's a, it's a plot of a, a foreign government because Lex Luthor wanted to sell a suit, but the United States and this nation of Kaznia, which comes up quite a few other times in right. DCAU, um, wants to buy this sh- wants to buy this suit from Lex, but because there's a trade embargo, he's not he's not able to legally sell it to them. So he just leaves, as he says, leaves the back door open for them to steal it. And, and by then, it's yes. Yeah, so it it and then from there, Superman fights a giant robot, and that's and it. And that's kind of it. it. And then he has a verbal spat with Lex at the end, and then that's the end of the episode. Yeah, so from a plot standpoint, it this is a little, like we like we said, because it is technically three episodes, mm-hmm. we, we talked about this in the other two-parter we did uh, for, for, for Batman, it can be tough to sort of split them up and still look at them as one big thing. But So I went five out of ten for plot. Sure. Like I said, it's, as you mentioned, it's a lot of world building. It's good world building. The Brainiac thing, I think, makes Brainiac a much more interesting character because... Absolutely. It's not quite making the Joker the guy who shot Batman's parents, right? But it is, you know, tying him to that to that world of Krypton, which Superman doesn't have a lot of reference to because he came to Earth as a baby, right? So the idea of you know this guy who has all of the knowledge and all of you know he knows what Krypton is and who who the people were and what they were like, and that adds a little bit more to I think to the sort of personal rivalry. Superman has with Brainiac in the way that he isn't just another guy in that rogues gallery. Absolutely. And, uh, and the end confrontation you mentioned with Lex does set up the idea that Lex isn't the super friends, Lex Luthor. He's not, you know, he's not a mad scientist. He's not a traditional supervillain, which we talk about, uh, mature themes in a, in a children's (laughs) cartoon, the idea of the evil billionaire who, (laughs) who rules the city, uh, through, various nefarious means and and superman basically has no way to you can't just grab him and punch him or throw him in jail Can't pin it on him right it's not a he's he he, it's it's interesting dichotomy because it's similar to the way that batman we talked about how batman uh has to deal with the the villains in gotham city you have your super villains your bat your jokers that are out there committing crimes but then you have the guys like rupert thorne and some of the uh you know roland daggett and some of the corrupt corrupt businessmen and and mafia guys that you know he who are who are able to keep their hands clean so to speak and let other people do the dirty work for them yeah so batman's put in a position where he has to rely on the police to to or you know his detective skills in order to be able to to get those guys in, in trouble it's the same thing with superman and luther you you know luther isn't the one out there taking you know d- doing the sale of this item uh, or, you know, making the phone calls, although he apparently was having a meeting with somebody from Kasny at the very end there, yes. where they're just openly discussing it in his office, but he's he, it's not something that can be pinned on him is what, what ultimately he says, so the fact that Superman can't just punch him yeah. uh, t- to uh, into submission or in, into uh, into doing, you know, into admitting that he's he's the person pulling the string, so to speak, is is an interesting dichotomy for a children's cartoon. It's the way they sort of get under each other's skins is because they're sort of, you know, the two sides of the same coin. Whereas you know, Luthor is a very cerebral foe. He he can't 
Superman has the brawn and but doesn't have the ability to to put him down. At the same time, Luthor is maybe the smartest guy on the whole planet. Right. But now he's contending with a guy who's never been seen before that has, you know, theoretically limitless power who he can't bribe or blackmail or control in the way that he is controlled. So it's, you know, the different, a different type, they're both different type. they're wielding different types of power. Absolutely. And sort of, and they get under each other's skin by how they each wield that power. Absolutely. Yeah, so I you gave it a five out of ten, is that right? Yes, sir. All right, and I gave it a five out of ten also, just for those the same reasons. It's it's a long episode um, when you when you watch all three of them together, and it's uh it's a lot of world building for that, and it is just kind of a basic basic plot. Superman fights a robot. Um, we get a lot of character introduction in this episode. You know, you have Luther, you have John Corbin, who's John Corbin, yeah, John Corbin. Who's used uh, later on? Who eventually becomes Metallo? You have Spoiler Brainiac. Alert. Oops, sorry. Uh, you have Brainiac. You have uh, all the the supporting characters and Lois and Jimmy Olsen and Perry White and the Kents. The Kents and you know it's it's a lot of character. Lana Lana Lang. You know you have a lot of characters that are in this episode. So. Uh, for that reason, it's just it's they do a great job of not making it too messy. It's not messy, uh, but there's nothing that stands out to me for it. So five out of ten for me as well. All right, Liam, let's move on to uh, an interesting category because I think this is one uh, that we came into not realizing was going to be a little bit different than Batman the Animated Series. Uh, but uh, animation, let's talk a little bit about animation. This uh, this this episode of Superman is the first introduction of the new sort of streamlined animation uh, they went from you know the the more detailed uh, Fleischer looking uh, and there's still some Fleischer influence certainly in this Absolutely. in this um, but in that more realistic uh, I, don't, I don't know more I, Fleischer is the only only cartoon that I can compare it to and this is more of a streamlined cleaner less detailed um, it's less shadows it's more clean. Uh, a little bit brighter, brighter. It's yeah. A, it's definitely the color brighter. palette in general is much brighter for this show. Yeah, it, so it's it's hard to judge this this compared to Batman the animated series because Batman you have you know the look that they're going for. They're going for a little bit more realistic look. Um, so for this, it's going to be more difficult to judge these episodes. I think on animation, um, it'll be interesting to see. I I, I think because it was it was tough for me in this episode at least. Um, episode one was fine. I, I think part two is uh, there was some a little, few inconsistencies in certain areas. There was a few character designs that I thought looked, I thought Lana's uh, character design was a little weird at times. She was very angular, <laughs> and that that looked a little odd because everybody else was very square. Um, but it's going to be harder harder to judge this for that reason. I I, I think because it was pretty consistent. Um, like I said, a few inconsistencies in the second episode, but overall, uh, pretty consistent. I went ahead and gave this, uh, and I, I really love this animation style because we see it, it continues into the new Batman advent, uh, adventures or the new Batman animated series. Um, and then you, you see it, of course it, it goes into Batman beyond and then justice league, justice league unlimited. That's, that's the animation style that, that we know and love today. Um, so Batman, of course, Batman the animated series holds a special place in my heart, but this is the, 
this is the more uniform look that we 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 got a lot more episodes and life out of. So for that reason, I gave it eight out of ten because I thought they did a great job. What about you? Yeah, I went seven out of ten. There's there's not a ton to complain about as you mentioned. Uh, it's there. It's kind of a basic flat line where because there's a little less detail, there's less chance for them to be sort of like obviously the characters to be obviously off model. Sure. Or for you know because there's less detail in their face in general. That's kind of the style versus you know we can look at a, a character who maybe just doesn't have as much detail in his face in an episode of Batman. That's sort of a drawback because he looks out of place. Where right. like everybody looks, everybody looks you know, fine in this. And so, like, sort of okay is sort of going to be the baseline, and then it's sort of what really stands out. And, right. uh, yeah, they're, what they do here, it's when you have a character that flies, obviously I'm going to talk about hashtag Kate movement. Um, <laughs> well, it's time for Liam's Kate movement corner. Absolutely. But it's not just, in this case, with a character like Superman, he doesn't wear a cowl or any kind of mask. So you also have to do, you know, his hair needs to It's a different dichotomy, you know. You got hashtag hair movement. Right. <laughs> uh, there's the scene where Teenage Clark is flying, and you get, you know, the, the you know his T-shirt and his jean, the cuffs of his jeans. Are, hashtag pants movement. Hashtag pants movement. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't think we should mm-hmm. use that one. Uh, that might already be taken by Cuff else. movement? Uh, <laughs> jeans the, movement. Jeans movement. Okay, I like that uh, better. Anyway, but uh, point being, so... That that kind of stuff needs to be spectacular if you have a character that flies. Sure. And it is pretty good here. Uh, yeah. The first scene of him flying when he's a teenager, when he saves the plane at yeah. the... At sort of be, that sort of starts at the end of part two, and then he saves it officially in, in part the beginning of part three. Uh, all very good. Uh, most of the designs, like you said, are pretty... They're pretty on point. They, yep. they all seem to fit together pretty well. Um, so yeah, I went seven out of 10. There's some really good stuff. Uh, A lot of, some nice shadow work. There's a scene where they're, they're on this oil tanker and the, the robot suit is sort of, it's like chained up, I guess for, for shipping. And Mm -hmm. there's like a red, there's like a lot of nice shadows and, and, and some red light coming off of it. And then Superman busts in and you, you get a little more light then. And, and And we, and we talked about this fired. Yeah, we talked about this before, but this episode was compared to a Batman episode where things take place almost exclusively at night. Yeah. This is most of the action with the exception of where young Clark's flying um, and uh, the the last uh, confrontation between Lex and Superman, uh, which also had some hashtag cape movement uh, in <laughs> it also. But uh, mostly everything is done during the daytime. So it's it's going to be harder and it's certainly interesting because that we talked about in Batman the Animated Series that that sometimes made characters look out of place, mm-hmm. made it more obvious when a character may have been added as an afterthought or maybe when a, when a different story, you know, scene was added or something that looked different. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not um, that hurts or helps this or is if the animation style is, is affects uh, how that looks. Because a lot of I know a lot of these episodes for Superman take place during the day. Yeah, absolutely. And one other thing to add with, with when it comes to animation, they did a good job of animating. This Superman is not maybe the peak of his power. Mm-hmm. He's struggling. You know, there's you know these high-powered weaponry that they're hitting him with, giant machine guns and... Yep. And missiles and bazookas and and everything. He's he's struggling with it when he has to save the, you know, the big jet from crashing into downtown Metropolis. Yep. He's struggling. He's working. Yep. 
Um, so I thought they did a pretty good job. You know, even though the faces aren't as expressive as they would be in the original Batman, yeah, you can still you can tell he's working. You can see you know sort of his his arms shake a little bit. Like it's not it's not stiff. It's very you know it feels like you know the muscles are rippling. Like yeah. he's really working to you know to lift this plane out of the out of the city and and find somewhere to put it down so they do a pretty good job of conveying that struggle and that and that yeah, goes this... into sort of the superman is a little he's not the superman again if you've maybe seen the christopher reeve movie or even more recently man of steel or something where he's you know, where he's from pretty much minute one is is pretty much indestructible here right. it's it's a little more of he's working a little harder for it well that's what i think ultimately this interpretation of superman to me uh, is is one of my favorites is that it, it it was one of the first ones that I recognized um, as Superman has that human side to him. Not not only is he more human than you know you compare it to Batman. That's always a running thing. You know he's he's more human than Batman. He's yeah. more uh, he cares more about things. And that was a huge thing in the in the you know Batman versus Superman and. Uh, than than in Justice League movie, um, you know that this Superman in this this interpretation of Superman is affected by things like bullets and I mean it made it's not the handguns those are things that he doesn't have have necessarily has a trouble with but a heavy machine gun is something that he's struggling against which kind of goes back to that influence of Fleischer where you, you look back in, onto that. Uh, cartoon series and and superman was struggling in that too his powers weren't he he wasn't this indestructible force that was just so powerful that he could just kind of poke somebody and you know use one finger like you said before we went on to to lift the airplane uh and that makes makes it a little bit more it adds a little more drama to the the episodes because you're you're not certain how Superman is going to be able to defeat it. We see it later on, uh, especially when the Kryptonite, the first episode with Kryptonite, where it's introduced, and um, and even when there's not Kryptonite introduced, you know, in this episode he was having trouble with the with the the robot suit, you know, because of the heavy artillery that the robot he was getting his butt kicked for for the first little bit. Yeah, and it makes it makes it so that you don't have to rely solely on dark side level threats. Yep. Or when you want to have a physical threat against this guy, yep. um, or you don't have to constantly have you know some sort of catch twenty two where he's got to be on the other side of the world to stop a missile and and then come back and and take care of the goons in two seconds. It's right. The idea that he's yeah yeah he's he's tough and it's sort of implied at the en- at the end of his fight with uh, with Corbin in the robot suit where he sort of he gets he gets mad he gets pissed off and then he just starts ripping the arms off <laughs> of, of the robot and and tears tears it apart. So it so it could also be that there you know the idea is that he's he's still getting stronger and yep. perhaps he holds back a bit, which has certainly been a theme in in comics and in other portrayals of him where he he has to hold back because right. if he did unleash it, you know he would scramble, you know, which makes a ton of sense compared to you know there's a line early on in the second episode or in the middle of the second episode after is it the second episode or the th- yeah where, or the third episode where he talks to Lois. Um, and you know he does his first interview with her, and he 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 goes and he talks to his parents. He's very concerned. He tells Lois he he gives the the full interview of who he is, and his one ask of her is that she tell the truth about him. That she doesn't you yeah. know doesn't extrapolate, doesn't make anything up, doesn't doesn't put a little yeast in the bread. You know <laughs> she, he he just wants her to tell the facts, and that's it. And then he goes back to his parents, and he's talking to them, and he's worried about his reputation because he he's heard that people are scared of him, and he's he's he doesn't want that. So maybe. 
maybe I think you're right in that in in that he holds back so that people can see that he's not this. Uh, foreshadowing here, Justice Lord, that someone's going to, <laughs> to take over the planet and lord over uh, using his power. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. Yeah, and and to take it back to animation here, that's they do a very good job of of sort of showing that struggle, and then you know just showing a little thing of you know his demeanor changes a little bit when he is getting a little angry, and he's absolutely and and the the gloves are off, so to speak. So that's. Little Absolutely. things there in the animation where, as you mentioned, there isn't the detail or the the great char- the character models aren't as intricate as they were in the animated series, but they can still convey that emotion, convey a physical and emotional, in some cases, struggle that, that a character like Superman goes through. Absolutely. All right, man, let's move on to the music. Um, we have a brand new theme. Oh, by the way, I think your animation was seven and mine was eight, in case we didn't say that. Uh, music, uh, brand new theme song, of course. New new hero, new theme song. Uh, an iconic one in the DCAU, certainly, as uh, Shirley Walker seems to do so well uh, each time introducing new themes. Uh, this is this is a fantastic theme. Superman, Superman theme, we were talking about it. It, it probably, in, in the Superman themes, it's probably top three. Um, you have your your man Man of Steel, which, by the way, we talked about before, just an underrated the Hans Zimmer Man of Steel theme yeah. is just it is so good. And I know a lot of people are, are are back and forth on the Man of Steel theme, and a lot of people hold the original Christopher Reeve Superman theme, which is great. John Williams theme, I, it's fantastic. It is iconic. Oh, absolutely. It is tremendous. But I think if you put that next to Hans Zimmer's, I, we're Hey, we're, we like to be different sometimes. We're just a little bit. You know, we, I would rank, I think we both rank that the, the Hans Zimmer Man of Steel theme is just, that's tops. You got a very close second is John Williams' theme. And we'll, we'll probably get some hate from people who are like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? It's, it's, hey. It's, well, also, also you look at the type of Superman they're looking to portray. Sure. Which, which is, you know, the, the John Williams theme wouldn't necessarily fit as we kind of saw in the Justice League movie. It, it it doesn't totally work for the the Zack Snyder Superman, correct? Because that's not the that's not the Superman. The story, whether you think it's a good story or not, is you know this is a man on a journey to become the Superman that we all know right. that you know from the comics. The sort of more happy, you know, he hasn't quite earned the trust of everyone. It's it's a working thing. People look at him, and much as we're talking about here with the animated series, the idea that people are, are afraid of what he can do or, right. So it's a, it's a little more, you know, it's a little, it's a little more reserved. It's a little more, it's, you know, it's sort of a little dread mixed with, with, but it has that very hopeful tone to it. Right. Whereas, you know, the, the John Williams theme is very triumphant, but yep. it's for, it's for an already established Superman. Right. And, and that's honestly, I, I think this one falls into that more, leans more towards the John Williams. It is a triumphant uh, music uh, theme. Um, it's great. It's easily memorable. Hum it, <laughs> whistle it. You know, it's 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 very very memorable. Um, but as far as music is concerned for these episodes, um, it is leaned on pretty heavily. You pointed that out. It's it's. It is the overarching, pretty dominant theme in this. Anytime they need it, needed it to punctuate something, it's Superman theme. And part of that is, as, as we mentioned in, in Batman, there's so many, every, pretty much every villain has their own unique theme. And because there isn't, perhaps because there isn't a villain here, like Metallo later on has a pretty memorable yes. theme. Yep. Uh, you know, they bring in like the rock guitars when Lobo shows up, like... There's memorable music to be had here, but for this episode, pretty much every 
major action beat, uh, which, you know, the him saving the plane and then him fighting Corbin in the robot suit, it's pretty much just the traditional Superman theme played in the same way you hear it at the start, you know, when you, you watch the opening of the show. Yep. So it's there's not a lot of deviation from that. And it's, again, not bad. Uh, I actually went ahead and gave, gave music a 7 out of 10 here because I do think it... It does work, and I also think uh, going back to part one, the there's a great sort of very tragic, sad score playing when Krypton. When you watch the destruction of Krypton, as you know the the ground is separating, and you see these giant mushroom clouds coming out, and it, it you know it shows Jarrell and Lara uh, watching their son fly away from them. Absolutely, it's uh, it's quite beautiful. So I went seven out of ten because I do think when it hits, it's very strong and. The Superman theme is very triumphant, but you're right that, that there isn't a really noticeable Lex Luthor theme or a yep. Lois Lane theme, for that matter, sure. or, or something that really comes out. So it is, you're absolutely right, it is pretty heavily relied on the Superman theme. Yep. And for that reason, I, you gave it 7, I gave it a 6 out of 10. Uh, 6 out of 10, just because uh, it it nothing didn't hurt my feelings, it wasn't terrible, uh, but it was sort of a, a one-trick pony, so, so to speak. All right, uh, let's jump over. Our final uh, category this week is going to be voice acting. Uh, Liam, we already talked about this is a pilot episode, an origin story. We had about, what, 30 characters it felt like (laughs) introduced uh, into this episode. That's just in part one. That's just in part one, right. Uh, I, I think... I think the people that stood out to me, uh, Jor-El, of course, in the first episode is, is heavily relied upon, and he's fine. Um, he's a little bit a little bit dry. Uh, he's played by, what's the... Christopher McDonald. Christopher McDonald, who you probably know as Shooter McGavin. Um, <laughs> he's, that's his most iconic role. You know, he's, he's, you, he's also the villain in Flubber. Yes, yeah, good, good call, and one I would not have remembered. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know he he's he's fine. The whole Krypton scene is is fine. I think everybody's uh, great in that. Uh, Corey Burton I think stands out. Uh, the voice of Brainiac. You talk about your your Joker voice is Mark Hamill. Your Batman voice is Kevin Conroy. To me, whenever I hear somebody portraying Brainiac, is you know whether it's in a video game or you know in another. Uh, another animated film or something like that. It's it's almost jarring to me sometimes to not hear Corey Burton's voice because that's that's what I associate. It's so good. It's so emotionless. Yes, uh, he does such a great job of of portraying just he's a he's a soulless computer. Um, so so that that is great. You know, you um, Tim Daly fantastic superman uh you know i'm sure you'll get into dana delaney uh now in the role that we know and love (laughs) her in as lois lane uh but to me that the the this was a introduction to a lot of people and and the only one that really stood out to me was clancy brown uh who of course plays lex luthor uh who is just he takes that role and he does such an amazing job with it um even building further on you know he's used in the, in the the Batman his his position in the Batman Superman crossover the first episode they do yes is fantastic his role in that then moving forward you know in, in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited um, he's he he is Lex Luthor to me he's he's great um, so in this episode he really stands out to me he does a fantastic job uh, and carried the load but I, I went ahead and gave voice acting 
a uh, a seven out of ten. A um, lot of characters. Nobody, especially when you compare it to you know the last episode that we did, which was Two Face, and uh, you know just we talked a lot about in that episode the the power of of, of carrying that episode. Yeah. This nobody really had the opportunity because it was so many characters. Yeah. To me, the standout is one hundred percent Dana Delaney as Lois Lane. Yeah. As soon as you hear her voice, uh, she immediately steals every scene she's in, pretty much. Yep. Uh, She basically barges into Perry White's office because she's mad that a story on Superman bumped her front page story (laughs) about uh, an inner gang smuggling ring. Right. Uh, And so that's... uh, And they very quickly establish who she is. And again, it would be very easy to make that character one-dimensional to just make her you know, just full of one-liners and quips and and just sort of be kind of borderline unlikable. Yeah. And But you sort of see in the way that she, you know, she treat, talks to Jimmy, the way she talks to Perry, there's sort of something, you kind of feel like there's a little bit of a, a father-daughter relationship between her and Perry because, she, you know, she's barging in there, to, you know, to, to talk to him and then he sort of has to set her on the right path and tell her to, you know, be nice to the new kid uh, uh, as she meets Clark Kent. And, you know, you you get that sort of no-nonsense. What you would expect out of a Lois Lane, if you're familiar with the character at all, but it's, it's, she's, she's able to play it uh, very well. And, and she does, you know, she does the lion's share of, of sort of the investigative work here. We do get to see Clark Kent be a reporter a little bit. Um as far as they sort of investigate this this Kaznian government and this this tanker that's been sitting at, at the Metropolis docks for weeks despite never unloading or loading any cargo. <laughs> um, so they, they sort of work on this case together, and obviously, as you mentioned, that she has the meeting, the meeting with Superman where he tells her who he is and what he wants to sort of tell the people of Metropolis, and... Uh, so yeah, Dan Delaney is is uh, I mean I don't I don't think that's breaking news if you're listening sure. to this podcast you know how she's good great. she is but uh, and uh, you know another she's, she's no Brad Garrett as Bobo Bobo let's let's be honest fair fair point yes we have our, our first Brad first but definitely not last Brad Garrett yes uh, appearance here on Superman as Bibbo, the uh, sort of bumbling uh, Popeye s- yeah, character is, is he a sailor does he own a bar it's kind of unclear yeah he's just hanging uh, out by the docks yeah but uh yeah so dan delaney's a standout to me as you mentioned tim daly is is pretty great as superman as you mentioned being able to convey that that sort of uh basic emotions i actually want to give a shout out to uh, jason marsden who plays teenage clark Kent as well uh sort of going through the emotions is of he his... listening <laughs> <laughs> i hope so Maybe. uh it would be great if he did um but sort of, you know, going through the the, the emotions of, of Clark Kent as discovering he has these powers, he's he's terrified, and you know when he when he finds out he's an alien, he's he's scared and, and angry, and and sort of learning to accept his destiny. And then where we pick up where where Tim Daly is there, sort of still dealing with those basic feelings of, you know, he he's there to help. He knows he has to be there to help because he has the ability to help, but he's he's worried about how people will see them. And you know a lot of that comes in with uh, with his conversations with with uh, Ma and Pa Kent, who are played by uh, Shelley Faberis and Mike Farrell. Um, they do it, they're fine. They're not. They're fine. They're they're good parents' voices. Yes. Um, they're not too overly cartoony, but they're st- they're very much they're folksy. You know, they're they're, fo- they're they, farmers. They play. They're 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 fine. They're yeah. Ma and Pa Kent. Yeah. So anyway, I I went ahead and gave voice acting an eight out of ten here. Uh, it's like strong, like I said. The uh, Dandelion does a really great job. 
Clancy Brown, you can argue maybe his best work comes later. Yeah. Uh, maybe in Certainly. Justice League Unlimited uh, when he's running for president. Yeah, I'll be um, interested to see see how how that holds up in, in, in that rest of the Superman episode. But uh, but yeah, as far as, but yeah, obviously Clancy Brown, as you mentioned, is is one of those voices you're going to generally hear in your head. Yeah. When you know when you're reading a comic book or something. So yeah, a really strong voice cast. Not a lot stands out uh, as far as like really awful. There's no. No, there's uh, there's no sewer kings in this correct. episode. Nothing that stands out as like hacky Saturday morning cartoon. Nope. Uh, everybody, you know, even the, some of the more minor characters, like the the news reporter Angela Chen, is yep. she just has a couple lines of dialogue, just kind of some snippy dialogue with Lois in one scene. And it's just fine, but it feels very natural. I think yep. Lauren Tom did her voice. who goes on to voice Dana and, okay. and Batman Beyond. Oh, and that makes sense. A bit voice Gizmo and Jinx on Teen Titans. Just done a million voice acting roles, okay. but. Um, very cool, but yeah, all the all the dialogue feels very natural. There isn't a moment where you you feel like you're watching something that came out in 1996. Like everybody's yeah. everybody's pretty kept time, which is always always the goal with something like this. Uh, we mentioned, it holds up, yeah, and it, it doesn't it doesn't feel super out of place in anything they were saying, other than car phones and fax machines. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are the only things that really stuck out. But I guess you could say the same thing about the the Batman. Bat computer and, and, and the other giant things. cell phones and Batman Beyond. Giant cell phones and Batman Beyond, right, exactly. Yeah, those things will never get smaller <laughs> or have, like, not have buttons on them. Yeah. Oi, oi, oi. All right, so uh, we I finished up with an overall score of 26 out of 40. Uh, I'm pretty close, uh, right there, a little bit ahead. 27 out of 40. Uh, like I said, this is a. It's, it's a lot. Like I said, it's a lot to watch at once and really great because it is so much as you as you I think pretty uh, adequately put it at the start of the show just how much this is basically a, a 66 minute prologue right to the rest of the series you're introducing who the villains are who the supporting cast is and in much greater detail as you mentioned than than we saw in 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 the uh, beginnings of Batman yep so it's it's different it's way different it, it but if you were trying to introduce someone to Superman who he was, who his friends are, the very you know, this is super this is Superman 101. Right, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, this is this is this is a good way to go from the world of Batman that that was grounded in reality um, to now you're introducing sci-fi and pl- aliens and uh, com- li- sentient computers and yeah. Flying humans, and so it's it's taking something same. It's world building. That's what we talked about. Yeah. It's it's a huge, uh, huge leap from grounded in reality Batman to this. But they do a great job of bridging that gap. And it's I don't think it's gonna f- fall into my top. Uh, if if I had to pick a, a top five, top ten of DCAU, uh, it's not falling anywhere near my top ten. But it's it's a perfectly acceptable introduction uh, to the Superman character. Yeah, agreed. And uh, one, just one final note: uh, before they were cool, we got basically an after-credit stinger. Oh yes, the we see the Brainiac satellite, which we hadn't seen since part one, right. uh, floating through space. It gets taken in by uh, seemingly a benevolent alien race who is—they're so kind—and they and immediately tentacles shoot out of it. We see off, sort of off-screen shadow deaths, yeah, and some blood splurting. It's, it's just ooze. I guess that's how they got away with yeah, it. It's just ooze. It's not red. It's like purple and yes. slimy. It's aliens. They're yes. they're not real. It might they have been. Die. They might have been having some gelatin. All right, you never dessert. know. <laughs> you may have just been spilled. But we you see Brainiac just immediately again. That sort of gets over 
Brainy and uh, Brainiac as this completely unfeeling thing. He found a spaceship now, and you sort of see him take off and theoretically in, in the direction of Earth or yeah. So a little, little again, a little definitely whets your appetite for the the rivalries between between him and Lex and and him and, and Brainiac going forward. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, I think we'll wrap things up here. Thank you so much for listening to the DCAU Review. Uh, Do us a favor. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, You can search the iTunes store. Search for DCAU Review. Give us a five-star review. Let us know how we're doing. A five-star review will help us out immensely. It helps us out uh, with our popularity on iTunes, so we appreciate that. Also, go ahead and send us some tweets at DCAU Review on Twitter. Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts. What do you think of the, the pilot, Last Son of Krypton? Uh, parts one, two, and three. Give us some thoughts on it. Does it hold up? Do you like it? Uh, are there things that we missed or the things that that we ranked pretty high that you feel aren't so good? Uh, just give us some feedback. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, also, be sure to like us on Facebook and uh, check us out at dcaureview.com for our episodes, both now and the episode archive, streaming there right now. Uh, I think we're about done here, Liam. What do you think? Yeah, I think we're getting out of it. Like I said, love the show. Love getting a chance to uh, shake things up a little bit. We did uh, 10 episodes about Batman. We'll do a few about Superman. Maybe, you know, from there we'll see. Maybe another movie. Maybe we move on to uh, one of the other shows from there. But like getting up, we're, we're certainly, we're mixing in some variety as we, as we get going here. And That's right. I'm, I'm excited to look at some Superman. Absolutely. All right. So uh, until next time, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. You guys have a great afternoon. Bye-bye.